So I have a particular story time. And this is a very fascinating story to tell you lot because I just think that it's a positively cautionary tale as to how you can turn what could be considered a dry night into a good night. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, first of all, thank you. But second of all, you might be familiar with the events that I go to, the Dominatrix events. (laughs) I like to keep this side of my life contained because I don't want to be the dominatrix evangelist you know I say this all the time maybe I need to unpack the reason I feel I need to justify my talking about it maybe I need to do some shadow work on why I feel so self-conscious about discussing my lifestyle as a dominatrix but I guess my intention with being careful is to not glamorize it I only bring it up to give insight and context into how I make decisions, how I think on the spot and how my experiences influence the way that I view men. Because I do think that being a dominatrix does require a strong element of being quick on your feet, as in quick-witted, sharp and self-controlled. So the dry night I'm talking about is a particular kink event that I went to. And, you know, I only say dry, not because the event was uninteresting, no. The event was interesting, the music was good. I say it was a dry night because it was low in attendance of men. So the ratio was off. There were probably, in total, across the... I want to say I spent maybe four hours there. Across the four hours I spent there, I probably saw a total of 20 women. In terms of the men, I want to say in total there was about six. You know, some came and left at various points, but I want to say it was definitely less than 10 men, which for me is considered a dry night. I mean, normally you hear the the phrase dry night if you're working at the strip club or something, but why I say dry night is because I didn't, actually end up really engaging with anyone I spent more time actually speaking to the women which was really fun because this particular kink event I shared details about it on my Patreon those of you who are part of my Patreon you will definitely know exactly the story I'm about to tell As you hear the details unravel, you're going to be like, I was there. I saw that. I can vouch. If you are not a part of my Patreon, might I suggest you give yourself the chance to experience some digital delight over at patreon.com slash the slumflower. I have a one tiered system where you don't have to think too much about joining because you only have one option to join or not to join that's right I only have one tier now if you are familiar with Patreon you'll know that you can have multiple tiers like maybe a five pound tier a ten pound tier and a twenty pound tier with the various tiers you can change the benefits people have but for me I am currently enjoying the idea of keeping it simple with just the disobedience deviance tier. That is the £10 
slash $10 slash whatever currency 10 pounds is where you live. It's 10 pounds, isn't it? And over there, you get to enjoy exclusive content that you're not going to see anywhere else. If you follow my Instagram and you look at my stories, you might see me sharing snippets of what goes down on the Patreon, whether it's the spicy comments in the group chat. I love the group chat on my Patreon. It's just constantly going because the women are across various time zones and they all just kind of look after themselves in that group chat. So once in a while I pop in, I try not to get too involved because I want people to just feel comfortable to talk about what they're discussing. And usually by the time I get round to reading a question and thinking of an answer, five other people have answered it. So it's a beautiful community. But aside from the fire group chat, you also get to enjoy the 65 page guide called the Dilemma Manual which I designed specifically to help you make wiser and more selfish decisions when dealing with men, especially if you are in a place where you are contemplating, should I keep him? Should I leave him? What should I do with it? Some men. Well, in the dilemma manual, I share anonymized anecdotes from women that I've received and I, in long form, write out my analysis of the person's situation and my ideas of how they could navigate it. I try to stay away from the word advice because I'm not necessarily morally superior to anyone. I don't think I'm necessarily experienced to be giving advice unless the person has come to me to seek information based on something they know I've done and they're about to do something very similar and they're clear that they want advice, then I'll happily give advice. But I never assume that my work is being consumed as advice. I prefer for my work to be consumed as ideas. So the other ideas you can explore on my Patreon include a workshop series I've currently got going on. At the moment, there's one workshop on there. There will be more coming but this one workshop that's on there, I thought I would start with that one because it really gives you an insight into what you can expect for the future with my workshop series happening over on the Patreon. I really love it on the Patreon because it's a environment I've created where I don't have to worry about people who don't like my work or people who are triggered by my work engaging with it accidentally or on purpose. <laughs> You also have downloadable PDF assets that you can access should you decide you want to read further. So if you are considering joining my Patreon, why not? Especially because you get to enjoy twice a, twice a month <laughs> monthly mini-sodes. So every month you're going to get two mini-sodes. I call them mini-sodes because they're never longer than 20 minutes. They're at 15 to 20 minutes mark and they're like thought streams. You also get to enjoy the benefits of accessing exclusive long-form podcast episodes that are not going anywhere on the public domain just because I either feel too self-conscious or the information is too spicy or I don't want the menses of the community knowing way too much, okay? They already know enough from watching my podcast and secretly listening, okay? We can't give them everything. <laughs> so if you are enticed by what I've shared... And you want to be in the loop of further dominatrix events I'm going to, which I share details about on my Patreon, then why not join me and the disobedience deviants over at patreon.com slash the slumflower. Now, back to this story where Patreon came up. Anyway, I shared details about an upcoming dominatrix event on the Patreon because I know that I've got quite a few people who follow me on there 
who are curious about trying dominatrixing out for the first time or they're in a place in life where they want to explore experimenting with their power. So I shared details about when it's happening, where it's happening. Thankfully, this event was free for the women and the men had to pay, which I love when it happens that way, especially if you are a first timer. You don't want to commit too much financially as a woman. So I didn't really know what to expect of the event. I have been to that particular event before. Ironically, that was my first ever dominatrix event that I attended back in 2019. But this time it was held at a different location. It was still put on by the same founder and it was the same group of people that I knew would be coming. But this was my first time going to this particular type of dominatrix event. So I thought, you know what, anybody else who decides to come along, which ended up being like, what, six, seven of you from the, pa I think 10 of you guys from the Patreon, the founder, Madam Caramel, shout out to Madam Caramel. <laughs> She's the headmistress of the dungeon that she owns. And she puts on femdom events at various locations. Um, Madam Caramel was so surprised that all the women who came and they were all mentioning my name as the reason that they came, <laughs> which was great because it's like, oh. So anyway, why I said that that night was a dry night was because, you know, there were few subs there. But I really enjoyed engaging with the women because many of them were first timers. So I came with my whip. I ended up not using my whip. I, I, my whip was being passed around by the girls the Patreon girlies, they were <laughs> they were using the whip. It was I was just having so many proud moments, just looking in the side of my eye and seeing seeing the the same first timer who was like, "Oh, I'm a bit shy, not really sure how to get into this." Seeing her absolutely cracking that whip for her life, I was like, "Yes, girl, work. Put your back in it. Put your back in it." <laughs> it was it was an interesting experience to watch women experience dominate tricksing for the first time i remember having this one conversation with a woman from the patreon that came to the event and i got to see her experience what is it's called top space so top space is when you experience a horny feeling from dominating a man but it's not always necessarily the type of horny that makes you want to have sex it's an octave octave above that it's the kind of horny that makes you feel like you're powerful and it's quite a nice feeling it's not necessarily orgasmic it's kind of like psychologically orgasmic and maybe your nervous system might tingle but it's not like oh my god I really want to have a sex not for me anyway but there was this one woman, she was going for it. And then she kind of like paused and dipped out of the scenario and said to me that she's, she was like, I'm feeling horny, but it's not horny. And I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. That's called top space. Woo, top space is when you are, it's happening. You know, you're, you're having the slight out of body experience where you're seeing yourself doing the thing and you like what you're seeing. You also like what you're feeling. It's an incredible feeling. So that was nice to witness. I, at some point in the night, after seeing the odd ratio of men to women, men being the fewer in attendance and women being outnumbered, women outnumbering the men, I accepted very early on that this is going to be one of those nights where I'm just playing enabler. It'd be like that sometimes, you know, sometimes you will go to dominatrix events and you don't end up 
engaging with anyone. You might have a couple conversations. Maybe someone might buy you a drink, but for some reason, it's just not the night. And that's okay. It's not a reflection on your dominance. It doesn't mean that you're ugly. It's not a sign that you're doomed and that you're not dominatrixing properly. It's all kinds of things. It could be anything from you're not really that person's type to um, the people that have come. Most of these men, they are already owned by a mistress or some of these men are just scared to approach you because you just look very scary. And if you haven't already sat next to them or if someone else hasn't already engaged in a conversation with you where those nervous subs are near you, then there's less of a chance for them to speak to you. All kinds of factors. So I had one of those nights. There was one black sub that came and I could see, <laughs> I could see him looking at me, but he didn't have the, the guts to speak to me. One time I walked past him and he faintly said hello and the way that the hello was faint turned me off because it felt like a very demasculated hello. It felt like, you know, when a man is trying to chat you up in the street, but he's scared he's going to be rejected. So he half tries to the point where you're just like, you might as well not have tried. That was really unnecessary. So that weak ass hello, I ignored him. My intention of ignoring him was to inspire him to try harder next time. Use your voice. Put the bass in your voice when you're addressing me next time, young man. You should you should be saying, good evening, mistress. You look stunning. Not not a weak-ass hello. So I ignored him. Anyway, I went to the bar to get water. He was sat by the bar. And because I was on my own and he was the only one sat by the bar, he seized the opportunity to speak to me. Started giving me compliments. I asked him to buy me a drink no actually he suggested he bought me he suggested buying me a drink and I asked for double rum and cranberry that's my go-to if there's no fancy cocktails I'm a double rum and cranberry girl yes I like sugary cocktails fight me do your best <laughs> so he got me a double rum and cranberry but I knew that listen I knew that with this guy the conversation wasn't going to last because I don't go for black subs before you jump me and tear my lace front let me explain the reason why I avoid black subs is because most of them, they like to be under the dominance of white women. I don't think I care enough to unpack that. I have my assumptions and my own ideas about why black men tend to walk right past black women and go to lick the feet of white women. But that's not what today's conversation is about. With this guy, this particular black guy, I knew that he was going to be another one of those ones who just want to give you compliments. So I cut the conversation short and went to sit back down. Like I'm, I'm at this stage in my life and I'm at a stage in my journey of being a dominatrix where I don't necessarily think all attention is good attention. Not saying his attention was bad, but I just I'm not in a scarcity place where, oh, because I haven't really spoken to anyone tonight, I'm going to just talk to this guy. If you are new to doming, I would suggest if you're having a night that's kind of quiet and you're a bit shy and out of your depths, it's okay to not force it. It's okay to actually just talk to the guys and ask them about how they got into dominatrixing or not how they got into dominatrixing because they're subs, how they discovered that they were submissive to women, what they enjoy about submitting themselves to powerful women, what they admire about women. You can, you can take the approach of research anthropology if you will 
you don't have to be so in your head about it because remember all experiences still add up to the wealth of knowledge that you will have in this life especially in dominatrixing no experience goes to waste so left that black guy alone was drinking the drink he got me went to sit back down and then I ended up being sat next to two white men one was probably in his late 50s the other one looked about I want to say like my age the one in his late 50s started complimenting me and I was giving him small small attention back and then the one that looked my age felt comfortable to also compliment me very quickly into the conversation of three of us the older one got whisked away by Adam so he went off to go play now it's just me and the younger sub. Um, so he starts complimenting me more. Uh, I'm going to name this sub Ben. Just so that I wouldn't have to be like younger sub, older sub, middle sub. Ben. Ben started complimenting me. And <laughs> I don't know what provoked me. But I was like, oh, so... You like powerful black women, don't you? He was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, so uh, I'd like to believe then that you are familiar with giving black women reparations since you love serving black women. He said, yeah. I was like, eh. I was like, well, you're going to be paying me reparations tonight. He said, okay. In my head, I was like, oh. So what did I do? Uh uh, you know me now. I was like, okay, well, I'm ready to accept your payment. I opened my Sum Up app. Now, I'm not in any way affiliated with Sum Up. You might recognize Sum Up as one of those little card reader machines. It's similar to Square or Zettle. Sum Up is the one that I have, and it's linked to a business account of mine. Because to own one of these machines, I believe you need to have a business that you've registered. So, Sum Up has a particular feature which I think is genius. It has a feature where your device, whether it's your iPad or your mobile phone, in my case, my mobile phone, it has a particular feature where your mobile phone can become a payment receiving device, meaning that someone can tap their card on your phone or they can tap their phone to engage the contactless payment on your phone and you can receive the money directly on your phone like you're using the card machine itself but in order to use this you need to pre-load products people can be paying for so let's say I was running a bookshop and I use that kind of device to process my payments I might have a prepayment set up that is 10 pounds for my 10 pound books so anybody who wants to pay me 10 pounds I will click on the button that says 10 pounds and I will receive 10 pounds when the person taps their card they will also see 10 pounds on my phone screen as they're about to tap or if I'm selling a bundle of books and it's 30 pounds for four books I will select the 30 pounds pre-loaded button so that when the person is ready to click on my phone to make the contactless payment or if they're ready to hover their card over my phone they will see the 30 pound prompt so I think you're getting the gist here right so in my case I put some prompts I think I have 
50 pounds, 150 pounds, 300 pounds, maybe 500 pounds as well. The 150 pounds one, I think it's called Sweet Treats. So when I said to him, you'll be paying me reparations tonight, he said, okay. I went to go and open my sum up app. Ah, uh-uh, the tin is not opening because there was no service because the dungeon we were in, it was a literal dungeon. Like it was underground. So there wasn't any service. And I was like, damn it. No, because you have to strike while the iron is hot. Guys, when a man says he's going to give you money, don't wait till next Tuesday. Collect it as soon as possible, bro, before he changes his mind or before he thinks too much about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I took him to go near the front door. We went up. We went upstairs to the front door near there to go and collect service. There was service. I was like, hey. I selected 150 pounds. I thought, you know what? Reparations. 150 pounds from a white man I've just met. That feels reparative to me because I'm being compensated for the time I spent talking to him and I briefly feel compensated, ever so briefly. The brief compensation I feel doesn't even add up to a nanosecond of relief from patriarchy and racism, but £150 might make me smile for a good two minutes. I think I deserve to smile for two minutes. I think I deserve £150. Before I continue with the story, I think a lot of people are confused about reparations and... They have their own definitions. I'm not here to argue with any of the academic black people about what reparations mean. I personally believe that reparations can be individualized as much as they can be allocated on a systemic level. So I don't think reparations are going to be systemically allocated to black people anytime soon. So I do believe that as a black person, especially a black woman, it is within your power and it's within your right to collect reparations as you see fit and you get to decide what is reparative for you. So in my case, like I said, £150 felt reparative for the good two minutes that I believed it felt reparative for. So selected the £150 in my sum up. He tapped his card. He didn't even think about it. He just tapped his card. I said, ah, Jesus. <laughs> but on the outside, I was like, very good. I walked him back up, well, not up, down, walked him back down to the dungeon where we were. And I started to warm up more to him because now that he's giving me 150 pounds, I cannot take him a little bit seriously. Now, this is a positively cautionary tale. The caution is don't be scared when a sub approaches you at a kink event. And you insist that you require a tribute before you let them play. A tribute could be interchanged with reparations. A tribute is simply a cash gift that implies that the person giving you the gift is aware that your time is valuable and they just want to show a gesture of honouring it. That cash gift is not representative of how much your time is worth as a singular concept. It's more just an arbitrary, mutually agreed measurement of what you decided in that moment that your time is worth. So sometimes I've been at kink events. In fact, most times I've been at kink events and a sub wants to play with me. And I'll say to him, well, I would like some cash. And he'll be like, I'm not into that, sorry. And I'll just be like, okay, that's fine, you can go. Once in a while, I might let a guy be a footrest for free. 
if I'm in a good mood, I might let him kiss my boots or my pleasers for free. I don't even let guys touch my feet anymore. Like in the earlier days, I used to let guys kiss my actual feet, rub my feet. As much as I really enjoy foot rubs, especially if you've been standing in them heels for a long time, you need a foot rub. Circulation and that. As much as I enjoy foot rubs, I have spent enough time as a dominatrix to understand what men get out of engaging with your feet. So even when I let guys kiss my my heels, which are called pleasers, I always make sure to instruct them to only kiss the platform of the shoe or the heel or the strap of the shoe that goes across the top of my foot and around my ankle, but you're not allowed to kiss the actual skin unless I've given you permission. So with this guy, <laughs> we went back to the dungeon. I thought, you know what? He's giving me £150, so... I feel compensated for the brief conversation I let him have with me. And now I'm going to let him be a footrest. And he was a good footrest. I think he was down there for maybe 20 minutes. And then I got bored because my feet started feeling weird. Because sometimes when you're using someone as a footrest, depending on their height, the way that they've arched their back, their posture, it can be uncomfortable for you. <clears throat> 20 minutes in, I made him stop and I instructed him to start worshipping my heels. And he was very glad. He was very glad to do so. <laughs> so he started kissing my heels. I kid you not, this guy was kissing my heels for a good half an hour. He was enjoying it so much. Oh my God, right? And this is the part where I tend to get into that headspace where I'm like, why do you guys enjoy this so much? I ain't mad at it. I'm never going to question it, but I'm curious as to what's going on for men psychologically when they are zoned out, just like kissing your feet. He was proper into it. He was kissing my heels. He was licking the, the, the stiletto of the heel. He was hard from kissing my shoes. Like, and his tings was not small. Which was surprising because he's a white guy. <laughs> so he was really in a trance. I feel like he was in what I call subspace. So the equivalent of top space that I discussed earlier, where you feel this glimmering light passing through your body and you're like, yeah, I'm powerful. Oh my God, this is a reflection of the power I've always had within me. For the subs, they experience subspace where they're like really into, they're just really into what's happening. They're like, in, it's almost like they're dissociated and they're in their own world. So that was happening for him. He was visibly hard from it. And he got so excited that at one point he took off his necklace. He was wearing this really cool necklace. It was made of like turquoise and antique silver, but it just looked, it looks like the kind of necklace you find in like them vintage stores in like Camden and shit. But this one was different. It was very unique looking and it was big. It looked expensive. He took off his necklace and he put it on me. And then he went back to worshiping my feet. At this point, like, I was just, I was just like, look, even if this guy finishes kissing my feet and he goes to be someone else's rag I don't care I've gotten 150 pounds out of him I thought this was going to be a quiet night okay I was expecting this night to be one of them nights where I'll still leave fulfilled because I have witnessed the growth and the blossoming of the baby doms that came but this was different because I'm like oh god I'm leaving with a little 150 what so 
it got towards the end of the night. And I remember saying to him, I would like you to make yourself useful to me again. Meaning, we ain't done. The event may be done, but we're not done. <laughs> so, <clears throat> he asked me for my Instagram. No, he asked me if I have Snapchat. I don't know why, but it gives me a big ick when men are asking me, do you have Snapchat? Am I 15? What's everybody pressing on Snapchats? Eh? Listen, I know that Snapchat is really good for if you're cheating because it's harder to keep track of what you're doing. But guys, please, I beg of you. I beg. I use WhatsApp. <laughs> That's the social media. WhatsApp on Instagrams. No, I'm joking. Like, listen, if you like Snapchat, do your thing. I strongly believe that Snapchat is a good tool for doing some shysty work. Wink, nudge, wink, wink. Um, but I'm not a Snapchat girly. But it does turn me off when men ask me if they have if I have Snapchat. Because it just reminds me of their age. Especially when they're in their 30s. I'm like... So this one asked me if I have Snapchat. I said, no, I use Instagram. So what Instagram did I give him? I didn't give him my Slumflower Instagram. No, baby, no. I gave him my goddess Gina Instagram. <laughs> That's the Instagram page where I share my burlesque performing. I share my pole dancing and my pole performances. I share the more dominatrix side of me. It's not a finster. It's just another Instagram page of mine where... I actually created that page so that I can have a page to give to men when they want to see my social media because most men think it's a lie when you say you don't have Instagram and you're fine as hell. It's like, why would you not have Instagram? You're fine. <laughs> also, I think it matters to not give men too much access to you too soon, especially if you're a public figure. Now, you don't even have to be a public figure to do this. I think most women who want to engage in either being a dominatrix or dating men with money i think you need to make a separate instagram page that is kept alive for long enough so it doesn't look like a fake page you've just made what i mean by that is if you're wondering should i start an instagram page or not start now just so that like even if you post something that is a placeholder it will still have the time, time stamp of, oh, this image was uploaded two months ago. So it looks like a page you've actually been using rather than if someone goes to your Instagram and all the posts were uploaded within like a week and you've only got like 10 posts on there. It just looks somehow. Do you know what I mean? You want to start organically building your backstory, babe. Okay. So I gave him my goddess Gina Instagram page and on that page, baby, I'm seen and never heard. <laughs> okay. She doesn't talk. Goddess Gina doesn't talk. She performs. Slumflower page, however, you know it's a lot more talking. But I don't necessarily care to involve men in that side of things. I just think that it it makes things too complicated too soon. I don't like that. Like, I'm not against men knowing who I am, especially if I'm dating them. But it matters for them to discover how amazing I am in staggered increments. So if this man is blown away just by meeting me, he knows nothing about me other than the fact that I'm beautiful and powerful. And then I give him my Instagram page and all he sees is me being a burlesque performer and me being gorgeous and me being very in the same character of being that he met me as. I get to control my narrative. So gave him the goddess gina page and i instructed him wait i need to actually read i should read the the sequence of events actually because 
this is fucking interesting. I actually told him what to message me. Guys, this is going to be very awkward if he messages me while I'm reading his messages. So please pray for me. That statement will make sense later down the line, but I think we should be fine. Anyway, I'm going to scroll to the top of the messages and then put it on airplane mode. <laughs> right, so this was 14th of December that we met. I told him upon following my Instagram page that night, I said to him, I want you to write this when you message me. Good evening, mistress. I was a lucky sub who served you tonight. Please let me know where it's best to send my initial tribute so I may continue to serve you. So he wrote that message to me. And then when I got home, I replied to the message with, impress me. And then I simply attached my wish tender link. Now, if you are familiar with this podcast, then you will have heard me talk about wish tender, which is a platform, a website, a domain created by sex workers where you can receive money from people without having to deal with the annoying chargebacks that some men do where if they sent money to your bank account they will like lie to their bank that they got robbed or something like that so then the money leaves your account after they've sent it to you and that's just a whole palaver I love wish tender because you're protected from that this is not an ad I'm not affiliated with wish tender I'm just explaining why I use it for those who may be curious so wish tender so I sent him my wish tender link with impress me as the accompanying message and then he replied quite quickly, maybe like 20 minutes later, he's like, I've sent you the gift, mistress. I hope it impresses you. I go to check my wish tender. Girl, tell me why this man sent me 300 pounds. <laughs> Mind you, on my wish tender, the minimum payment you can send me is 50 pounds. The maximum, I think, is maybe... 15,000, in case you're feeling generous. You never know. You never know. But um, 50 pounds is the minimum. Then I've got like uh, 250 pounds. I've got 300 pounds. 300 pounds, that one says pay for my next tattoo. Because on Wish Tender, you can label the payments people can send you. So maybe like if you want someone to buy you a pair of shoes, you can attach a picture of the shoes that you want to get and they can send you the money for it. Um, I had another one that says pay my rent. I added a bit of extra money onto the actual cost of my rent because, you know, pocket money on the side. My rent's already paid, but it's still good to get rent money to reimburse the payment that you paid by yourself. You get. And I've got to pay my rent six months up front, which is the largest tribute someone can give me at the moment anyway. I might increase it because <laughs> you don't want to limit your blessings. You get. So when he sent me £300, in my head I was like, but on the outside, what I said to him was, that's a great start with the emoji where you where the eye is closed and smiling. <laughs> then in response to me saying that's a great start, he said to me, thank you, mistress. Is there a time this weekend or next week that you like to go shopping or go out for drinks? Now, let me explain to you why he asked me if I like to go shopping. Do you remember the necklace that he was wearing? That he put on me when he was horny from kissing my feet? So, that necklace, right? I planted a seed on purpose. When he put the necklace on me, 
I was like, oh, this looks really good on me. Mm, I like this. And then as we were leaving the venue and collecting our bags and coats, he politely came to me and he said he's going to need his necklace. So I made a stern joke being like, well, now that you've taken my necklace off me, you're going to have to get me a new one. And he was like, yes, mistress, we can go shopping for a necklace. And I was like, mm-hmm. Well, I said to him, we'll have to see. I never, I never get carried away when a guy makes promises or statements of I'm going to, I'm, I will. Until it's done, we'll have to see. So the seed I planted was when he put the necklace on me, I behaved territorially about it so that when he would inevitably take it back, which he's within his right to take his necklace back, babe, like I don't know him. He doesn't, just because he's a sub doesn't mean that he's not going to have boundaries. When he took his necklace back, I made a joke on purpose, implying that he's taken it away from me so that he can get me a new one. And that's how shopping became <laughs> the topic. So he actually remembered that he said he was going to take me shopping for a necklace. And that's why I liked when he mentioned to me, thank you, mistress. Is there a time this weekend or next week that you'd like to go shopping or go out for drinks? In response to me saying, that's a great start, which was my response to him sending me £300. So I got back to him the following morning and I said, shopping tomorrow afternoon works for me. Usually, I'm not the type of person that is quick to meet men when they suggest a date because my time is valuable and I don't want to come across too available. However, when money is involved, I like to strike while the iron is hot. You don't want to give him too much time to change his mind. If I had said to him, oh yeah, we can do Wednesday next week, which is in six days time. That gives him a lot of time to change his mind or develop cold feet because what drew him to me is the physical interaction and the connection he had with me in real life. And I have to maximise that in the short time span that we've met, especially because the first night I've met him, he's already sent me £450. There's more where that came from and I'm going to collect it as soon as I can because with subs, you never know when it's going to end. So just enjoy it while it's there and extract the most you can. That's what they're there for. They're there to be extracted. If they didn't like it, they wouldn't be there and they know what they get themselves into. Anyway, in response to me saying shopping tomorrow afternoon works for me, he said, thank you, mistress. What time is best for you? I said, 3 p.m. works for me. You're welcome to suggest places you have in mind for shopping. And I'll let you know if I like any of the suggestions. So he said, awesome. I would suggest the jewellery store. Most of the other stores I know are men's tailoring or men's vintage. Where do you normally like to go? Just one thing, mistress. If we go somewhere like the jewellery store where I know the owner slash other customers, the BDSM element can't be explicit if that's okay. Just because I actually need to work with them in a business context. So what he was mentioning there in that last message he sent was he doesn't feel comfortable with me engaging with him overtly as a sub in that particular public space where he knows people at a particular store that he had in mind because boundaries and I'm glad he told me that this is part of dominance like subs are help subs who are sound they have boundaries and they can respectfully communicate their boundaries to you and it's okay for someone to say I'm not comfortable with us having a scene in front of people that I work with you know <laughs> Um, so I said, I'd be happy to honor that boundary. Thanks for letting me know. Let's focus on jewelry shopping for tomorrow. 
what's the name of the store where you know the owner? Then he told me the name of the jewellery store, which is where he got the necklace. He said there's also a customs silver worker in the basement there. I looked up the store and the jewellery there was, it was nice, but it was a bit pricey for what it looked like. Like, I think his necklace was probably the best thing that was on the site. But a lot of the jewellery looked like the stuff that you see in like Camden Market where it's like silver and like semi-precious stones. You know, them kind of like vintage jewellery. Um, but what I focused on was the price point. I observed the price point. Well, the necklace he was wearing was about 400 and something pounds that he put on me. Um, but the rest of the jewellery was within the like 150 to 400 pound range. So I was like, brilliant. So if he was intending to take me to this store, this is the window of expectation I can fit myself into in regards to what he's likely to spend. Cool. So I know that I prefer Swarovski and Swarovski is of a very similar price point. So I said to him... I would prefer to go to Shurovsky in Covent Garden. That's more my taste. And then he said, that works for me. Honestly, my taste is very specific for my style. See you tomorrow, mistress. Are we meeting there? I said, yes, we are meeting at the Shurovsky Covent Garden store tomorrow, 3pm. Then I sent him a screenshot of me putting in my diary that I'll be going jewellery shopping with him at 3pm on Saturday the 16th of December, just so that he can see that I do mean it and that I am going to be meeting you at 3pm at the Shirovsky store in Covent Garden on the 16th of December, baby. <laughs> so he said looking forward to it and then I liked the message. Now let me tell you where this story now took a wild U-turn and I was like, I hate it here. So... It's now the day of the jewellery shopping date. I wake up in good time. We agreed 3pm. I was up by noon. You know, I've gotten ready. I didn't want to be too, too dressed up. I didn't want to wear too much makeup. The makeup I'm wearing now is the exact face that I did. This is a this is my everyday face. And um, I put on a very simple dress that was covered in a renaissance painting style print paired with a cream mesh corset very cute some platform uh no some flat form boots and a cropped black leather jacket okay i looked good it was this same wig as well okay this is my ginger wig with the black roots i looked good okay now I felt very uncomfortable the whole time I was getting ready because I hadn't heard from him and I hated that because it's like oh like it's not my place to reach out to you to confirm if you're still taking me jewelry shopping you're the sub you're the one who suggested it even if you are not a sub you're a, you're supposed to be a gentleman you made plans with me you're supposed to reach out to me to confirm so that I know that we're still on he didn't say anything so I was getting ready and feeling stupid. When I was putting on my makeup, I felt like I was putting on clown makeup. I could hear the circus theme music in my head. Like I could just hear it, okay? I could see myself juggling oranges and spinning a hoop around my waist and entertaining five flying monkeys. I could just see that being my future, being a part of the fucking circus because I believe the man. Oh. <laughs> so I was getting ready anxiously 
I was kind of in two minds because I was looking at time. I'll keep on checking my phone to see, has he messaged me? Eh, this man has not messaged me and I'm here getting ready. I felt like an idiot. Do you know, I went as far as actually leaving the house. I left the house on time. Okay. I got to the station and I just did a U-turn. Because I was like, you know what? This don't feel right. I'm going back home because I've not heard from him and I don't like that feeling. Can you imagine? It got to three minutes past 3 p.m. This idiot now messaged me and said, just arrived. At this point when he's messaged me, I've already gone back home. I've already removed my corset. I've removed my dress. I was pissed because I was like, oh, man, see, I could have been on time, but he never let me know. So, like, what, what's a girl to do in a situation like that? Do you know what I mean? So I said to him, you did not confirm with me today that we are still meeting. So I assumed it wasn't happening. As a result, I made other plans this afternoon and won't be able to get to the Shurovsky store till 4 p.m. You will have to wait. And then he said to me, Oh, sorry, mistress. I wasn't aware we hadn't confirmed. How should I confirm in future? <laughs> like, it's really happening. So I said to him, How you behave when I see you today will determine whether we will see each other again in future. As a gentleman, I expect that if you make plans to see me, you confirm with me again at least two hours beforehand as my time is valuable. He said to me, of course, mistress, if we see each other after today, I will make sure to confirm with proper time. I said, I'm glad we are on the same page. I'm on my way. See you 4pm. He said, see you soon. I actually got there for 4pm. <laughs> Can you imagine, yeah, as I was pulling up to this common garden store, <laughs> I was, I was semi-heading, I was semi-heading into top space again, because I was like, oh my God, I've just yelled at this, not yelled at him, but like, I basically told him off and made him wait a whole extra hour, and he didn't argue back, he was just like, I'm sorry, mistress, what should I do next time to be more clear? I will wait. I was like, yeah, bitch, you better wait, because that stressed me out, like, he did cause me stress by not confirming, there's nothing more stressful than getting ready for a, a date or a meetup that you don't even know whether it's happening or not. And you don't know if you should just like not go or should you go? Now, someone listening to this might argue, why didn't you reach out to him? Because I'm the goddess. I'm not his mates, okay? He, I'm the one that he needs to reach out to to confirm. Okay, that's how you carry yourself like a queen. You don't just be messaging guys, are we, are we still meeting? It makes you look desperate. Obviously, there's nuance. If you've been dating someone for a while or if you are comfortable enough with this person over a span of time, of course, once in a while, you'd be like, are we still on for today? You can still do it in a way that keeps you gracious and poised. You can be like, are we still on for today? Because, babe, i got other plans I'm considering making. Let me know. You can be playful about it. Right. So, when I now pull up to the Shirovsky store... <laughs> And I see him standing outside the store. I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Shit then, let me get into character. So what did I do? Remember I told you I was wearing a uh, black uh, cropped jacket. And I was also carrying uh, a shoulder bag. 
I saw him standing outside the store holding coffee. All I said to him was, hello. Kind of looked him blankly in the eyes. Hello. He was like, hello, mistress. <laughs> he was blushing. I removed my jacket. I put it in his arms. He was struggling with that coffee cup, trying to configure how he would manage. I removed my handbag, put it in his arms. I didn't even look at him. I walked into that store. I could see in my side eye that he was right behind me. He stood in the corner of the store near the entrance and I began obnoxiously trying on all of the most expensive jewellery that I could catch my eye on just to instill some fear in him. I already knew which one I wanted because I looked on the website. The one I wanted wasn't, it wasn't crazy in price. It looked exactly how I wanted it to look, but just to build suspense and to create some fear and to make him feel a bit nervous, I was trying on the ones that were like, six seven eight hundred pounds and above but look i'm a fair person right he sent me 150 pounds when we first met then he sent me 300 pounds later that night so i know that like he's got money but you want to you want to spend their money in increments you don't want to just like be too grandiose with it because it can be overwhelming so after instilling fear and obnoxiously trying on all the really expensive ones, the last one I tried on was the one that I originally wanted from the beginning. And I tried it on, looked in the mirror, was having conversations with the sales associates to really gas myself up about it. Took it off and she went to the back to go get me a new one and then I signaled him to come. And I pointed at the necklace to him and I was like, it's very beautiful, isn't it? And he was like, yes, it is, mistress. <laughs> the sales associate came back and she said that will be 240 pounds please madam and i looked at him he tapped his card he didn't even he just tapped the card so i was like in my head i was like try should i've gone harder but it's okay because surprise surprise lucky for me the one that i picked ended up actually being on sale but only in store so there was no indication on the website that it was on sale the one i picked was 400 pound but lucky for him it was marked down to 240, some special in-store only sale. Just my lucky stars. <laughs> and his lucky stars too. And um, surprise, surprise, it's the necklace that I'm actually wearing. If you are listening, then you can't see it. Um, hopefully you can have some ASMR to hear it. But it is a continuous link chain that is gorgeous. They are all square Shorovsky stones. They're probably about 14 millimeters squared. And it sits like a, almost like a choker, but not really. It's so gorgeous. Um, you might be wondering, well, what happened next then? You know, he's gotten you the necklace. I didn't say thank you when he paid. I said, very good. When you are a dom, you understand that like thank you is 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 a different it has a different meaning to vanilla thank you. You reserve thank yous for when he's done something that's incredibly magnificent. A very, 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 very good boy. That's for when you're instilling the bonus magnificent triple A star praise. Outside of thank you, you can just say good boy. Good boy also holds a lot of weight. I don't use my good boys very often. I like to use good boys sparingly. Um, because men get gassed when you call them a good boy. They get very horny. So you want to contain that and control that, especially if they're subs. So um, we leave the Shorovsky store 
and I tell him, well, I'm ready for you to call my Uber. Because the point of us meeting was for him to take me shopping, innit? You're not getting no bonus time with me. Not that, he, not that he asked for it, but I'm just trying to give you an insight into my own mentality at this point. I wasn't meeting him so that he could take me shopping. And then I'd be like, oh, let's go get drinks. Oh my God, I'm so happy you took me shopping. No, 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 no. You're taking me shopping. And also because you didn't communicate with me properly and you wasted my time, you're only going to get shopping. You're only going to get to see me for all of the time we spent in that store and the time we will spend walking to where you call me my cab to go home. So we were in Covent Garden, which meant that if you are familiar with Covent Garden, it's not the most uber friendly environment. You have to kind of walk a bit till you find a back or side road where cars pass and aren't going to get lugged into traffic. So we walked about 15 minutes trying to find somewhere. We were not having any luck. So he hailed a black cab to his house, but we weren't going into his house. It was just his street because surprise, surprise. He lives round the corner from Covent Garden. He lives in like Chelsea area. So we got the black cab to his street. Tell me why his house was the most Christmas decorated house on that street. <laughs> so um, one thing I forgot to mention in this story was the moment I had met him when we were first talking about reparations, what made me actually tell him he owes me reparations was because I asked him, what do you do? And he said to me, I'm quite wealthy. And I was like, now from the 29 years I've experienced being on this earth, I know that there is a distinct difference between rich and wealthy. People don't just call themselves wealthy. People might call themselves rich to stunt or to flex or to exaggerate their what they own, but wealthy, that word is reserved for old money or people who have accrued a gigantical amount of wealth. So when he called himself wealthy, I was like, you are definitely giving me reparations because he didn't feel scared to tell me he was wealthy. <laughs> I was like, say less, baby. So, um... This is just giving context as to why his house was the most decorated on the streets. And yeah, it was like South Kensington or Chelsea. One of those da, 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 rich area. That SW, Guinea, Guinea area. So um, we, we actually ended up not really having any luck trying to call an Uber from his streets. So he gave me £80 cash and he got me a black cab. <laughs> Which was insane. The cab fare actually did come to £80. But um, I went home and I was like, well, that was surreal. That was interesting. I conjured that up. I literally curated that interaction from the moment I met him. And I steered the conversation in the direction that I wanted it to go in. My mind. It's powerful. So you might be wondering, well, what happened next then? So that same evening, he messaged me. Well, it was great seeing you today. Hope you have a really fun birthday tomorrow. Chat soon, mistress. Now, fun fact, the day he took me shopping was the day before my birthday. But he didn't know that it was my birthday. Let me tell you why I didn't tell him it was my birthday the following day. Because, because a lot of times women, especially new doms, 
do this thing where they will lie that it's their birthday so that they can get some extra money or extra favor it sometimes works but I think men see through that so I didn't want to also I didn't want to put too much weight on this interaction I was having with him as far as he was concerned it was a normal ass day and he was taking me shopping he doesn't deserve to know it's my birthday the following day until he's bought me the gift now it felt better for him to have learned that it's my birthday the following day after he's already gotten me the gift because it feels like it's aligned it didn't feel contrived or forced when I said to him beforehand by the way it's my birthday tomorrow because that just feels like unnecessary pressure and he don't know me like that to be known it's my birthday but because he got me a gift that I find very beautiful I allowed him to see more of me he gets to know it's my birthday tomorrow lucky him so in response to him saying, was great seeing you today. Hope you have a really fun birthday tomorrow. Chat soon, mistress. I said to him, I had a good day today and I like my necklace. It is beautiful. I appreciate your well wishes. Chat soon. And then two days later, he said to me, hello, mistress. Hope you had a good time yesterday. Would you be free to meet up sometime over the next week? I said to him, before we discuss my availability... You would need to tell me what you have in mind and I'll let you know if it interests me. Impress me. So he said, of course, mistress. I was either thinking opera or theatre tickets and then a high-end restaurant. Or alternatively, we could go the other direction of vintage shopping a few places. I'm not sure which you'll prefer. So I said, I like the suggestion of opera tickets and then a high-end restaurant. Friday evening works. You will need to send me £150 so I can buy a beautiful outfit. And I attached my wish tender link again. On my wish tender, I have a £150 option for anybody who wants to send me £150. I think it says date night outfit as the accompanied text for the £150 payment option. So he said, thank you, mistress. I'll send that right now and organise the tickets and reservations. Money for the outfit has been sent. Is there a time I should aim for tickets wise? I said, I've received the money. What's the particular opera you have in mind to book? And what restaurant were you thinking? He said, I was thinking the Nutcracker, mistress. The only time available is 7.30. And I was thinking Lura which is a restaurant focused on Basque food in Marlebone. I said, I'm happy with Nutcracker, 7.30pm Friday. I haven't tried Lura before, so let's hope I'm impressed. You're welcome to book a reservation that will grant us enough time to finish watching the play and head to Marlebone. He said, awesome, tickets booked for the Nutcracker. I'll sort the restaurant reservation now, mistress. I'm thinking 10 p.m. for that. I think that should give us enough time. I said, very good. Book the reservation for 10 p.m. He said, reservations are booked, mistress. And like the good boy he was, he got back to me day beforehand. And he said, hello, mistress. Hope you've been well. 
Well, as in day beforehand, meaning day before we're meant to be meeting for Nutcracker, just to clarify. Hello, mistress. Hope you've been well this week. What time would you like us to meet tomorrow and where? I said, give me details of the venue for Nutcracker. He said, the Royal Opera House. I said, we could do quick drinks at Soho House, Dean Street. I have a membership. You can get my night started with some picante cocktails. How about we meet at Soho House for 6.30 tomorrow? I'm sure it's a quick taxi ride to Covent Garden where the Royal Opera House is. He said, I'll be up for it, mistress. I'll confirm at 4.30pm tomorrow. So you see, he's learnt his lesson. Because on the day of, at 4.34, he messaged me, hey, mistress, just confirming 6.30pm for tonight. So I said, good boy, see you 6.30, so her house. Now, the reason I said good boy is because you remember when I was meant to meet him for the first time, we agreed 3pm and he never contacted me. So I made him wait a whole hour and I said to him, in future, if I'm going to be seeing you again, you must contact me at least two hours beforehand to confirm. So this time he contacted me two, two hours beforehand. That's how you that's how you train these men. Vanilla or or BDSM. You gotta train men. You gotta give them consequences for behavior that disgruntles you and you give them an actionable solution for them to apply the next time round. And if they are serious they will do it unprompted. Like this one did. So when I said good boy, see you six thirty Soho house, he said thank you mistress. See you and then he said, I'm in a cab hoping it makes it on time. I'm now at the whim of London traffic. Because at this point, like, he was running late, but I didn't mind because it was rush hour. And all of them Soho streets are usually cluttered with cars around that sort of 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. window. So I said, rush hour is crazy, right? Because obviously, like, I know when to be stunned and I know when to be a human being and acknowledge that he's late, not because he was being sloppy, but because he left on time, but he sat in traffic. I said, rush hour is crazy, right? He said, it's not pleasant, lol. Then he said, also, I checked. It's a shorter walk to the Royal Opera House than it is to drive. I said, I'm in heels, so we'll have to see. Because at this point, he's still in the car on his way. Then he said, ah, of course, laughing emoji. Well, hopefully we have time for a few drinks and making it there on time. Because obviously he's running late. The show starts 7.30. We're meeting 6.30. But because he's running late, it's like, eh, hopefully we'll have time for at least two drinks or something like that. I said, I'm sure we can squeeze in one drink. He said, yeah, I think we should be able to. Then again, uh, maybe like six minutes later, he's like, almost there, mistress. This traffic is painful. I said, you're lucky it's warm in this building. You'll be making up for being late. <laughs> That's just me being a bit mean. And then he just said, I'm outside. I said, coming. And then we 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 entered Soho House. Um, we, of course, got my favourite Soho House cocktail, which is the pican Picante. He was, he was taken aback by how beautiful I looked. Because the £150 that, remember, he sent me for a dress, I spent that £150 not on a dress, babe. I spent that on a fucking electricity bill or some shit random like that. I don't even know what I spent it on, but it wasn't a dress because that dress has been in my wardrobe for, I shit you not, three years. But it looked good. Steamed it. Like, I've probably only worn it twice. So it looked good. 
I looked stunning. I even wore the necklace that he got me and he noticed. And when he was complimenting me, I was just like, oh, do you recognize this necklace by any chance? <laughs> me flirting. <laughs> that day went really well. We went to go see Nutcracker. It was my first time seeing Nutcracker. So I liked it, you know, and he got us really good seats. Now, this guy, he's got money, right? So he actually ended up buying the tickets for twice the price. When he was showing the staff member who was going to lead us to our seats, his booking confirmation that contained our seat number, I saw on his phone that the tickets came to a total of like £480. And I was like, oh my goodness, chill. <laughs> but I had to remind myself that money is relative. Wealth is relative. So while I was being like, oh my God, £480 on tickets to see Nutcracker, that's crazy. To him, that's not crazy money. Because he, 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 he got money. <laughs> and I'll explain why he's got money. Because that's going to come up in a conversation me and him have later down the line. Which is, we are now walking to Nutcracker. Because remember, we ended up agreeing that it'll be quicker to walk. We get to Nutcracker, we watch it beautiful there's it's a non-verbal show so they're just dancing and there's music being played by the orchestra and then there's loads of like intervals where you clap it was very fancy it was very Bridgerton vibes you know I felt like I was in an episode of Bridgerton with my with my Caucasian lover <laughs> and like the whole time I was watching the show yeah I could just feel him looking at me like sometimes he would just look at me just to see what my face looks like or just to like see if I'm into it but I kept a very lot sort of like smug, light smile slash smirk on my face the whole time watching it. So he couldn't tell what I was thinking. Anyway, it got to time for us to have to leave a little earlier than we should have. Not should have, but like because of how tight the booking was for the restaurant, it meant that we had to leave before the show ended. And like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing being in a packed auditorium where it's a fancy ass show and all the white people there are like kissing their teeth because you're trying to get out of your seat and like you're interrupting their show so we experienced that which was really annoying and awkward but once we got out of the show we got in a cab and we headed to Lura the restaurant so then we had a little bit of time to just chat and debrief probably like maybe 15 minutes to chat so then I opened up the question of which of your parents do you look like more and um, this question came off the back of him spending the whole cab ride talking about himself, which I had no issue with. I'll explain why. Because even the day he took me shopping and we were walking to find the cab, which was like a 15-ish minute walk, he spent the whole time talking about himself. Not because he's conceited, but because I was encouraging it. I was subtly encouraging it because I wanted to get information. I believe in letting men speak. If a man is talkative, let him talk. Usually men are talkative because they're nervous, but also because they want to impress you. And if you're entertaining it and you're asking follow-up questions and you're really into the conversation, it gives you more room to learn about them and it gives you less opportunities to talk about yourself so you come across more mysterious. <laughs> and when they do ask you questions, you can find a way to kind of like briefly answer the question, but turn it back on them because you're so fascinated by them. So he was no stranger to talking about himself. So when he when I asked him, which of your parents do you look more like? 
he pulled up a picture of his dad. But the picture he pulled up was a Google picture. Like, you know, when you go, when you Google someone's name and then the image that is on a particular website comes up. So it was a website of his dad's workplace. But I was, his dad's name was like sort of, it was obscure, but it was visible. Like I could tell what his dad's name was. So while I was going closer to his phone to look at the, the, the nose and the eye to see if there's resemblance, I was actually looking at dad's name. But I was acting like I was looking at the eyeball and the, and the cheek to see with the resemblance. Whole time I was like memorizing the dad's name so that I can go look it up later. <laughs> because I want to know why this guy got money. Why? What's going on here? What do you mean you're wealthy? What do you mean your parents gave you an allowance? Also, the bit that I forgot to mention was while we were sat together in Soho House before we left to walk to go see Nutcracker, I remember saying to him, you have a very, you look young for your age because I was assuming he's my age, babe. I thought this man, or at least maybe a couple years older than me. I'm a hot flaming 29, right? I thought maybe he's like 31, but with a young, well-taken-care-of face because he's wealthy, he has access to good food and skincare. So I was like, how old are you? You, you look good for your age. He was like, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe my age. And I was like, come on. He was like, guess my age. And I was like, I mean, you look really young in the face, but you sound mature. So I'm going to give you like 31. I thought I was being flattering. He was like, I'm 21. Try. 21. Now, I ain't got no issue spending a man's money. 21, listen, you are of the legal sound age to own a bank account. You are of the legal sound age to process payments, okay? I'm not sleeping with you, though. Even if he was 41, still not sleeping with him. I'm just not in a place where I'm trying to sleep with men. So that wasn't an issue for me. But I was a bit like, okay, he's 21. So that changes everything. Because whilst things are going well so far, I need to anticipate that at some point he's going to behave like his age. <laughs> So fast forward now to back where we were in the story originally, where we're both in the cab heading to the restaurant after we've seen Nutcracker and he's shown me a picture of his dad. I memorized his dad's name and I was repeating his dad's name in my head while he was talking. Thank God the cab driver asked him, uh, what was the street name of the restaurant again? And then he went to go and look at his phone to confirm and check. While he went to his phone, I quickly wrote down his dad's name in my notes. I'm sorry, I can't just relax. I won't have to keep on repeating the name. Once I wrote that man's name down, I just forgot about it and relaxed. I was like, hey, don't worry, later I'll go and look it up. So we finally got to the restaurant and it was okay. Like the food was okay. It was very like, it reminded me of like German meat. You know how German people like to cure ham with salt um, and they like to eat it with bread. The only reason I know this is because I, <laughs> I dated a German um aristocratic guy when i was like 23 and it was from him that i learned table manners because <laughs> he went to he went to he had a he had a this german guy that dated when i was 23 he was like maybe 13 years older than me um and he was from a background and upbringing where table manners and like arranging the cutlery on the right side of the plate and using a cloth when you're all these things I learned all that from him and I was eating German cured meat. He was like, oh yeah, my dad cured this ham five years ago. I'm like, okay, okay. 
that's cool. So now I'm in this restaurant, this Laura restaurant with with this sub now. And um, the food is okay. I know it's expensive, but it's okay. You know, orders us a bottle of wine. I think the bottle of wine was like 80 or 90 pounds or something. And I'm not a big drinker, but he is. So I was like, <laughs> listen, you keep drinking, you keep talking. You keep telling me about yourself. You keep giving me details, yeah? So that I can piece together this character file of who you are. Okay? And what you're capable of. Because I'm liking that he's talkative. I discovered that he's on the spectrum like me, but he's autistic. I'm not autistic. I'm definitely neurodivergent, but not autistic. However, I have a lot of experience um, being around autistic people, having autistic people in my life who I love. So I understand that there's a particular mental framework that comes with being on that side of the spectrum where... Him speaking a lot about himself isn't from a place of him being conceited necessarily. I think it's just that he felt comfortable with me. So he was just info dumping um, because he felt passionate and comfortable. And I liked that because it gave me room to relax and not speak that much. And I can come across mysterious. <laughs> the whole time I'm a chatterbox too, but you won't know that. <laughs> Obviously, he was asking me questions about myself here and there, but... The questions he would ask me would revolve more around like, so like, what are you looking for? Are you open to dating? Because he was saying to me that he's really looking for a female-led relationship, which is commonly known as an FLR. A female-led relationship is basically, it looks like what me and him are, were already doing, where it's like, it's not like I'm walking him around on a leash every day. That's too on the nose. He just likes the idea of the woman being the powerful one in the relationship. So like, it's not like I made him take me shopping. He took me shopping because he wanted to, but he knew that it would earn him some good boy points. He told me he felt he feels turned on when I call him a good boy. So when he shared that information with me, I knew that I have to say it sparingly and I need to use it with impact and intention so that it can land correctly and get me closer to what I want, which is more money. So we're in this restaurant. He's talking about himself. All is going well. I occasionally talk about myself too, but I don't reveal what I do. You know, when he asks me, what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm similar to you. I do a lot of everything. Because... He actually told me that he's on an allowance from his parents, which is key context for where this story is about to go, which is the end. <laughs> this story doesn't last that long, even though I spent two hours talking about it. This is not a long story. <laughs> so he told me he does a bit of everything. He actually surprisingly is also uh, into putting on burlesque shows and he knows a lot about burlesque and costuming. So it felt nice to connect with him authentically in that way. Because one thing about being a dominatrix and finding subs is that there's there's an important layer of mutual resonance that matters where you organically connect. It's okay to laugh as a dom. It's okay to make silly jokes. Like It's okay to be a fluid personality. You don't just have to be all whips and leather and black lipstick and mean looks. Like There's a, there's a more fascinating way to exude your dominance where... You have a playful side, but there's a line that can't be crossed and you can switch into a more sadistic side if and when you need to. And that's my style of dominance. I like to describe my dominance as soft dominance, which is very FLR, female-led relationship. I'm into the whole FLR thing, which he was into too. But he was too young. He was 21. And even though he was very... I'm not going to lie. I'm going to give him his props here. 
because I can give a bitch her tens. He was very articulate, obviously, because he's gone private school and he's had the best access to education. How do I know that? Because after our date at the restaurant ended, he called me on Uber. And as I was sat in Uber, I went to go and look up his dad. Remember, I wrote his dad's name down in the notes app when he... When I saw his dad's name on the screen as he was showing me a picture of his dad's face to ask me if I look like his dad. So I looked up his dad. Come and see you. Hey. His dad is a multi-millionaire. Hey. And this isn't no small millions. His dad is a lawyer. Whole time I'm like, damn it, I wish I met his dad instead. But it is well. It is well, Sha. Don't worry. <laughs> so, um... When I googled his dad and I realised, okay, you know what? Yes, his dad is minted, but this young 21-year-old has made it clear to me that he's on an allowance. And I remember when we were in the Shirovsky store when he was buying me the necklace, um, he mentioned that he's glad I didn't pick out something. Because he, he mentioned that he was scared that I was going to pick out something that's like two grand because he wouldn't have been allowed, he wouldn't have been able to pay for it because his parents watch his expenditures. That was a huge turnoff for me, but it's fine. Like, there are certain turnoffs that I'm willing to put to the side. Not overlook, but put to the side because it's about your intention of why you're with that person. In my case, I'm not intending to date this guy. I would not date a 21-year-old. I would spend a 21-year-old man's money, but I would not date a 21-year-old man. The only kind of dating I would do would have been what me and him were doing, where... We meet up, we go shopping, we go on experiences like go to the theatre and then go fine dining. You know, that can work for me as long as there's no sex involved because I just it doesn't feel ethical to me. <laughs> like, what the hell? So um, you might be wondering, well, this sounds all good. What could possibly go wrong? Well, let me tell you, baby, because when we were parting ways, that day we went to go to Nutcracker and have dinner, we were in the cab because he got the Uber to his first and then the second destination was mine. So we spent some time together in the cab on the way back to his house. Um, I was talking about burlesque and rhinestones and how maybe... Because he suggested us going shopping again. And I was like, okay, maybe we can go to like Berwick Street in Soho where they sell applique fabrics and embellishments and all the things I'll need to spruce up my burlesque costumes. So... um. Basically, we agreed that we would meet again on Wednesday, 3rd of January, because the plan was he wanted, I think he wanted to take me to Sketch, which is a really cool restaurant that has the pods, the toilets, are, they look like alien pods. Um, and I think he wanted us to go vintage shopping. Now, vintage shopping isn't really my thing, but I was happy to kind of like entertain his world a bit because... Fine, he wants to take me shopping where he goes. He wants to obviously introduce me to some people. I was happy to do that. It's fine. So I said to him, I've penciled Wednesday, 3rd of January in my diary. But I sent him that message while I was sat next to him just so that whenever he gets home, he can just like be prompted to put it in his diary. So he said, I'm putting it in my calendar right now, mistress. Let me know what sort of things you're interested in. And I'll try to come up with interesting ideas. Otherwise, I'm happy with rhinestones meaning like rhinestone shopping. Hope you had a, hope you have a good Christmas. Because at this point, it's like 23rd of December because we went to go see Nutcracker two days before Christmas. No, three days before actually. 
because this was around like 12 a.m. that we're now messaging each other. So it's the following day, technically. In terms of a rhinestoning day, I said, we could make a stop at one of the fabric stores on Berwick Street and you could get me some trimmings and embellishments for the red corset we will be rhinestoning. Because basically I made a joke in the car that we could rhinestone my costumes together and he could be my, he could, the task I could give him will be to rhinestone my costume. Now, rhinestoning is a very tedious task. It's basically hand placing and gluing individual rhinestones. It's not very fun, but I enjoy it because it's my work and I love the feeling. But the idea of making a sub rhinestone who is familiar with costumes, I love, I loved that idea. So in that same message, I said, challenge, I still need to find a physical store in London where we could source some actual burlesque clothes and items, though. Most vendors are online because at this point he just knows me as a burlesque dancer. He has no idea that I'm a whole public figure with a podcast and I'm, I'm amazing and I'm loved by many people. He don't know that. I almost got clocked, though, because when me and him were walking through Soho, Heading to Royal Opera House, somebody clocked me. They're like, Slumflower! And I was like, oh my God, girl, you don't got to be so loud. But he didn't, he didn't put two and two together. He just thought someone was calling me a sunflower or something. So I, I said to him, hey girl, nice to see you again. Just so that it didn't seem like I had a fan. whole time it was someone that was a fan of my work, which of course I was grateful for that person stopping me in the street to say hello and be kind. But I didn't want him to, to think I'm some sort of celebrity. That's for later down the line. You've got to re reveal your amazingness in increments, my dear. So um, the reason I said that is because I mentioned that he only knows me as a burlesque dancer, which is still amazing. <laughs> so um, in that same message, after I said challenge, I still need to find a physical store in London where we could source some actual burlesque clothes and items, though. Most vendors are online. I then said, I also separately like the idea of us doing a day where we go to the vintage store and then end at Sketch. Maybe we could actually do this on Wednesday 3rd, then a later day could be burlesque shopping slash rhinestoning. Have a fun Christmas. He said, I mean, doing the vintage stores one day on the 3rd of Jan is easier to plan and it gives us, it gives me more time to figure out the burlesque clothing and item shop, but I'm also happy to take you to Berwick Street anytime you want. I said, sounds great. Closer to Wednesday 3rd, we shall plan the logistics of meeting with a closed eye smile emoji. You might be thinking, well, where could this possibly go wrong? Well, let me tell you where it went wrong. And I think this was important because, like I said earlier on, I've gathered that he's 21. He's on an allowance from his millionaire parents who own the home in fucking Kensington and Chelsea that he lives in and he told me that he has a whole floor for himself so I was like you know what this guy is not a stranger to giving me money uh -uh. so it came to Christmas day in the afternoon I said to him I'm looking forward to receiving a Christmas cash tribute from you today and I attached my wish tender can you believe can you imagine this same guy now said to me, so about that, my parents saw Wish Tender on the credit card bill and looked it up and threatened to cut me off if it was ever on the bill again. So that's unfortunately not happening. 
So this is where the story ends. This is the last and final message that was exchanged. I said to him, your parents' interference with our connection is a huge turnoff for me. This is where your age becomes an undeniable issue. I wouldn't feel comfortable with you engaging in a lifestyle you cannot afford. Outside of that, it has been lovely getting to know you and spending time with you, but this won't work for me. Wishing you all the best. And then he started typing. And then, like, he never said anything. He just liked the message. That's what I thought. But um, I used very specific language in that message I sent him. I used interference with our connection. So that language implies that we were heading somewhere. And your parents have spoiled it. Now, do I believe that his parents really looked at his credit card bill? and saw Wish Tender, and looked it up, and threatened to cut him off, I don't believe that, I don't, the reason why I don't believe that, is because, whilst I do believe that, yes, his parents will be monitoring his spending, and he has told me that he, he does have his spending monitored, I just think that he's paid for a lot of things for me, and he's not had any issue, like, he literally sent me 150 pounds, for an outfit for us to go to Nutcracker together. He bought Nutcracker tickets times two. He's been spending money on lavish restaurants. He sent me money the first time we met. He took me shopping at Shorovsky. Like, your parents didn't have a problem then. So my suspicion is that he probably felt uncomfortable because I asked him for money. Which I think is a weak reason to be uncomfortable because... In the recent past, I've asked him for money and he's given it to me. But also, it wasn't like I was coming out of nowhere being like, I need money from you. I said, I'm looking forward to receiving a Christmas cash tribute from you today because it's Christmas Day. And we're kind of dating. Like, we're not, we're not doing anything romantic. But like, you know, you've put yourself up to a very good start. What, what a shame, what a crying shame it would be to fumble the momentum you spent all this time generating by not sending me money on Christmas Day. You literally took me shopping the weekend of my birthday and then a few days later, you took me to go see Nutcracker and then we went fine dining and then we made plans for you to take me shopping again and then another restaurant. So why would that be an issue? Whether his parents saw or not, huge turn off. So yeah, huge turn off for me is a phrase that I love to use when speaking to men about their behavior that I don't like. Because men feel really um, uncomfortable when you say something is a turn off. They feel very rejected. They feel like a wet sock. And I love using that phrase because yes, I'm turned off, but I am actually turned off. Like at this point, like I was clinging on to nuance and giving someone a chance by even allowing this 21-year-old to take me shopping. Now, I'm in a place in my life, yeah, look, I'm almost 10 years older than this youth. I am not desperate to go shopping. Shopping is nice. But the reality is, I wouldn't like for things to continue as they are if I don't feel comfortable asking him for money. Because if me asking him to send me a Christmas cash gift caused an issue 
things were not going to last anyway because at some point he would have come up with the same excuse of, oh, my parents said I can't spend. Ew, that's so icky. Like, I can't remember the last time I was speaking to a man and his parents had governance over his life because I don't date 21-year-olds. I don't date young men. <laughs> this is why I don't date young men. <laughs> but, you know, if you notice in my message, I was still being very gracious. Um... I'll tell you why I was being gracious, even though it was a very clear dom and sub dynamic. The reason why I was being gracious is because men usually spin the block. Like men usually come back, especially when they've spent money on you. They have invested in you and we didn't end on terrible terms. We ended on terms where I blamed it on his parents. And I said that his parents involvement is a turn off. So if let's say few years down the line you know he's in his mid-20s and he develops more financial independence maybe he's still still on an allowance but his parents aren't as involved he will more than likely come back or I'll bump into him at another kink event so I wasn't trying to burn the bridge because I see this as business my dear normal me would just lock him off like I'll just block him or I'll just leave him on red but I thought you know what I I want to make it clear that this has given me the ick. But I'm going to phrase it in a way where should you come back, you know you're coming back with cash and cash only. That's why I ended it with wishing you all the best because he felt confused. He, like, do I be angry? Do I tell her fuck off? Do I, do I explain to her that my parents are not that involved in my life and I am a big man. There's no point in explaining because she's just, she's turned off now. I guess it's done now. I'll just go on to the next. Because the reality is, right, you can't get attached to a guy being nice to you, okay? If someone like this sub can afford to blow over a thousand pounds on just hanging out with me for like two days... Do you think he's not doing that with other people? He might not be spending as much on them, but he's. this is part of his lifestyle. Like, it's not because I'm a special, amazing, fallen from the sky angel, you know? Like, yes, I am an angel. Yes, I did fall from the sky. I didn't come out of a vagina. I came out of the sky. Thank you. Let it be known. Make that clear for everybody who might be misunderstood. But in his eyes, I'm another powerful woman who he felt turned on to engage with me. And I think when he started to kind of like come out of subspace and his eyes are clear and he's back in reality maybe he's having second thoughts and that's okay that's fine he's 21 I mean I expected that at some point he would behave like a 21 year old which is to suddenly switch up now what made me be completely sure that we are done here is because when he sent me this message that I responded to once and for all which was his message being so about that my parents saw wish tender on the credit card bill and looked it up and threatened to cut me off if it was ever on the bill again. So that's unfortunately not happening. He never called me mistress. So I, I knew that, okay, we're done now. Because normally you'd call me mistress. I made it clear to him that I like being called mistress when we're communicating, um, like online. Because it shows respect. But he didn't call me mistress. So that made me think, okay, the scene, this this few days long scene that's been going on between us has ended fine. Um, and also the way that the message sounded dramatic, like your parents threatened to cut you off. This guy does drugs. Like <laughs> he told me about how he has a whole 
cabinet, a custom cabinet in his room for where he keeps his drugs. I'm not against people doing drugs. If you like, you can rubbish your own life. I'm not going to do the drug with you. I'm here to spend your money. I'm a focused person. Do you understand? If you like, do heroin in front of me. I'm not touching it. If you like, smell cocaine in front of me. I'm not touching it, bro. I'm, I have very strong self-control. I'm an unmovable rock, as you've heard me describe myself as in the past, if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> but um, it was a huge turn-off. However, one thing I learned from this situation is it's not every situation that you need to set on fire. There are some situations you kind of leave in an open-ended way, but you still leave on your high horse. You can still crush a man's ego without destroying the whole situation because he's got cash, right? If within 48 hours of knowing me, he's already spent hella money, <laughs> I know that one day he'll get bored again and he'll be back with his tail between his legs and I'll just spend more of his money. It's not that deep. And he's not the only man who's spending money on me. He's not the only man I'll ever meet who's got disposable income. He's not the only person whose parents give him money and, and, and they give their money to women. There are many men like this. So you can't have a scarcity mindset when it comes to meeting men. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from this is, yeah, let men talk because you can really develop a character profile about them and that will inform how you'll move. No matter how generous, grandiose or good-looking a guy is, in my case, this guy was good-looking. I might go as far as saying that he's my favourite type of, of white Caucasian. He had ginger, long hair and it was curly. told you i like ginger men have i mentioned that before like when i when i do allocate space for white men my preference is ginger i just think that they're, they're beautiful people it's not necessarily a fetish like I, I don't get any kinky or sexual gratification out of a person being ginger it's more just the aesthetic appreciation really i just think ginger people are beautiful so his hair was ginger um and he was good looking and he, I think he dressed well. He dressed like a 70s mysterious rock star. Like, his shit all looked custom because he buys all his stuff from Savile Row. But he was, like, he was just a 21-year-old who had money and I met him at a convenient time where the cosmos aligned and I happened to know exactly what to do because I stayed prepared. Because like RuPaul says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Or was it Billy Porter that said that? One of them two said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So if you remember, at an earlier point in this story, I mentioned that I have a sum up device that is paired to my phone and I have prepaid payment options on there. So if someone wants to send me money, they can just tap my phone, baby. So I'm ready. The next time I meet somebody who wants who, who's flirting with me, I'll just work out my phone and be like, oh, you think I'm beautiful? Why don't you tap your card on my phone right now and show me how beautiful you think I am? Oh, you like my tits? Wow. Why don't you show me how sexy you think my tits are? Tap your card quickly. Let me see. 
that's a part of staying ready so you don't have to get ready. Another part of staying ready so you don't have to get ready is practice scenarios in your head. Now that you've let this guy talk and talk and talk about himself, when you're on your own, process the information you've learned about him and see how you can use what you know about him to tilt the conversation in a direction that benefits you. That's why when he asked me out on a date, I'm, I asked him to send me £150 for an outfit because we were going to the Royal Opera House. It was a fancy event. And then we were going fine dining afterwards. I need to buy a dress from my wardrobe that already exists in my wardrobe, okay? He's not an idiot, right? He knows, he probably knows that I already have a dress, but it's part of the, that's part of the pussy tax you pay for dating a sexy woman who's older than you, okay? You will pay for my outfit. It doesn't mean that, let's say we had remained on good terms. He sent me the money on Christmas day. I wouldn't have even minded if he sent me just 150 pounds. It would have been fine. It's more about the gesture and the obedience. Okay, so let's say things continued on good terms. We met up on 3rd of January. We went to the vintage shop and then we went to the sketch restaurant. I don't think how, I don't actually think I would have asked him to send me another 150 pounds for an outfit again because you've got to make it organic. You can't be too predictable, you know, because he probably might have thought in his back of his head, oh, okay, we're going to the restaurant so she might ask me to send her money again. Is she a gold digger? It's like, no. I know when to cause calamities. You got you got to move organically, babe. But it takes practice, and the thing is, every man is practice. This guy, I had no idea that it was going to end up here. I'm so used to men saying no when I say, "Well, I'd like some cash from you." Then, since you like black women so much, I'm so used to that that it doesn't feel daunting to say it because I expect that they're going to say no, and that's fine because then you can get out of my face. It's no loss for me. But when they do say yes, oh, I'm prepared to collect that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, t I take wish tender. I take contactless. I also take physical cash. I'm prepared. Not just prepared to take cash, but I'm also prepared to manoeuvre a conversation where I have control over myself, what I'm reactive to, what stands out to me in what he says. And I think that this is a lesson that points to the sentiment that in this life, you don't ask, you don't get. But sometimes you ask and you don't get and that's okay. You can't take a man's uh, declining of something that you've asked for as a reflection of you being unworthy or, oh, see, this is why I don't ask for things because the rejection is too much. It's like, you just got to be like, okay. You're you can't be feeling like oh, because this could have gone one of two ways, right? When I said to him, I'm looking forward to receiving a cash Christmas cash tribute from you today, and his response was essentially no. I could have taken that as oh my god, I feel like a beggar, like I've asked this guy for money, and he said no. Ew, I feel gross. So that feeling was still there to a certain extent, but I used that feeling to inspire me to cut things off in a very diplomatic manner. Because you still need to assert your boundaries and you still need to assert yourself and be like, well, this is not going to work for me. Because the reality is, it won't work for me. I have to be honest. Like, I'm not going to date a man who's going to be dating me and you have all this money and you're not giving it to me. I don't care to be seen out with you. I'm not about to be making you look good for free. Especially you're a literal, you're a li are you even Gen Z? Is it Gen Alpha? G 21, 21 years old. Your brain is actually genuinely still developing. You've still got four more years of brain development to go. I'm not meddling with a 21-year-old if it ain't money involved. 
and even the money that was involved, I'm not willing to hear, oh, my mommy said I cannot spend... Oh my God, please. Oh, that's such a... Oh, what an ick. I also think, astrologically speaking, there was some luck and abundance working for me because the transit sun was conjunct with my natal sun, meaning the position the sun was in the sky when I was born was in Sagittarius, because I'm Sagittarius, December 17th, Sagittarius. So the sun was in Sagittarius when I was born. And because this rendezvous was happening in the few days leading up to my birthday, it meant that the abundance and luck that comes with having the transit sun, transit sun refers to the current time we're in. So the sun right now is in Capricorn because it is January as of when I'm speaking. So anybody who is born in January, the transit sun is conjunct their natal sun. Conjunct means next to. And when a planet is next to something or when a luminary like the sun or the moon, the sun and the moon are luminaries. When a luminary is next to a particular planet in your chart or a particular node or a particular luminary like the sun or moon in your chart, you receive some abundance because it's your season. So I know that I was riding off of the astrological luck of it being my birthday week. And that's why things were happening with ease for me. And that's why I was relaxed into just enjoying it. I wasn't going down the mindset of, oh, I really hope that this lasts forever. I've I've met a sub who has money and he's taken me shopping the first date. And then the second date, we've gone to do fancy shit and this just feels so fun and this is exactly what I like like I don't get attached to things even when they're going good unless a man gives me ample reason and time to grow attached I'm not going to get attached like that's part of seeing the humanity in people and that's part of the experience that comes with being a dom you learn how to manage your expectations you start to master self-control in a way that allows for you to not get swept up in your fantasies of what this could become because men are incredibly unexpected. I have seen this happen to other doms where a man has literally sent £20,000 to the woman over a period of time and he's still ghosted. Men are unpredictable, whether they're subs or not. And I just think that being a dom, a femme dom, really teaches you to release your attachment to men no matter how kind they are to you. No matter how grandiose, no matter how generous, you you accept the good things as they come, but you remain guarded, you remain vigilant, and you remain relaxed into knowing that all good things come to an end, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's just men are fallible. Men can sometimes switch up on you, and it's not a reflection on your worth. It's about when it comes to an inevitable end, can you really say to yourself, my time was well compensated for. I enjoyed this. I got more out of this than he did. Because he's the one who looks stupid. I'm not going to lie. If I was him, I will probably reread that last interaction and I'll be like, oh man, I should have just sent her money because now my, my investment has gone to waste. Like, you look stupid. That's why I believe in when a man is getting to know you, he needs to spend money as soon as from the onset because... It's not that it's going to guarantee 
that he's going to stay in your life. Rather, it incentivizes him to respect you more and hang around a lot longer because he's financially invested in you. It will be very stupid for his mind to go to waste. And you'd be surprised that wealthy people still value their money. Wealthy people are not just like throwing their money into the air. If anything, I would say what wealthy people waste their money on is drugs. Not all of them, but that's usually where the bulk of the wasted money goes to. But wealthy people, they still care about what they spend their money on. So it's about not getting attached to the fantasies of like, oh, wow, a rich guy and he's young and he's good looking and he's spending money on me. Girl, look, a man who is young is one thing. A man who is good looking, that's another problem. A man who has money, separate problem. When you combine those three elements, just know that you're dealing with someone who you need to expect the unexpected from. And it's not the end of the world. It's not that you are doomed. It's just enjoy it, be present, but always remember that at some point things can change and that's okay. But with a lot of subs, they do come back because for a lot of them, they go through manic periods of spending. You don't know if you've met that sub when he's like in a manic space of spending. Whether that man's a sub or a vanilla man, some people are going through a manic period. <laughs> they don't know how to identify or name the behavior, but some people are just manic. And for that period, they are being grandiose and jovial and they're spending. And then when they kind of like rebalance themselves, they realize, oh, I've done too much. I'm going to just kind of separate myself from this and detach and maybe ghost or maybe cut this off. And that's when you experience the guy switching up on you. It's not the end of the world. This happens. And this is why I'm so glad that I dabble in and out of the Dom world because it really does provide me with the insight and psychological tools that I benefit from when engaging with men in the vanilla world where nothing is ever that serious. And even if a man is professing his love and his fondness for you, whether it's through cash or words, you don't get attached to it until you have ample reason to be attached. And trust me, you will know when it's the right time to give a man a chunk of your trust. But for me, I'm always operating from a headspace of we'll have to see. We'll have to see. No matter how well things are going, we'll have to see how this plays out. Because once you get attached to how good things are going you then get really upset when things change because you've put a lot of stock into that person and you've placed a lot of emphasis on what they're doing in your life and you have now associated them heavily with you feeling good. So when they stop treating you in the way you were just about getting used to, it affects you way deeper than you should. And if you're someone who has attachment issues, you're usually coded as clingy or what is known as anxious attachment, then... I think being a dom really helps you to work on that if you are committed to working on it because you will experience this where men will love bomb you, whether it's with compliments or with cash. And it's really down to you to not get too attached. Like you kind of have to let it go into one ear, let it massage your brain as it makes its way out through the other ear. That's it. You let it stroke your ego, but it cannot be the foundational proof of your worth. It can be a supporting piece of information that bolsters up the idea of what you're worth but your worth exists regardless of him acknowledging it if that makes sense so before I wrap up this episode thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed this story time 
What a roller coaster. <laughs> Do I think he'll be back? Yes. I don't want him to come back soon. I want him to come back when he has more financial independence so I can spend more of his money and so I can spend more of his dad's money. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not looking for shopping for little 200 and 300 pound things like if I'm going to be going shopping with a guy who's not giving me money then I want to be buying things that are in the thousands do you know what I mean and even then if I'm going shopping with a guy who can afford to buy me things in the thousands he can also afford to give me cash as and when I want it so <laughs> it kind of solves itself really thank you for listening I enjoyed telling this story <laughs> And I hope you take something from it, which is to remain vigilant, don't get attached to possibilities and outcomes and always have a center of gravity that is unmovable by anything outside of you because that is how you retain your power and dominance as a woman, whether you are a femdom or not. See you soon or chat to you soon if you can't see me and you're listening to this on audio.